0: That was some wonderful worship, amen? Well, we're uh, continuing on our series, Winning the Year, and this week I wanted us to talk about falling in love with Jesus. And I think we forget that Jesus is a person and the Holy Spirit's a person in the Trinity that we can know and experience Him in very special ways, that it's not just uh, wrote and and uh, memorization, but that we can actually talk and have a conversation with God. We forget that in the church. And falling in love with Jesus today, for lack of a better term, because it's kind of sloppy to fall in love, because if you can fall in love, you fall out of love, right? So it's, it's very kind of sloppy, but developing a, a passion for Christ like never before. Um, I want to ask today, maybe, what do you love? And what do you love to do? You think about your passions in life. Think about back when you first started dating your spouse. Guys, remember the crazy things you would do and the poems that would come out of you guys. Do you remember those? Maybe not. No, I don't. The, the wacky things you would do for love, right? The feelings that you felt. Remember those wacky feelings? You would climb over mountaintops to to get to that one that you love. I know I would. I, I had to get in a plane for my love. I had to fly to California but uh it's uh it's it's amazing but matthew elliott writes this passion emotion gives us the power to do things we don't otherwise want to do passion gives us the power to achieve great things you think about the story about the mom yet remember you've heard the story about that adrenaline rush that the mom gets over the the kid stuck under the car you heard that one where the mom literally almost picks the car up you've heard that story Unbelievable. You do unbelievable things with passion. You don't do too many things and you don't have passion. Don't think about yourself at work. I hate work. You're not going to get too much accomplished there, are you? You're not going to go far. We see the events leading all the way up to the crucifixion of Jesus. That final week, it's described as the passion. We think about those moments of Jesus. He did it. For the love set before him, he understood the people. People were not numbers. You and I were not numbers. The very hairs of our head were numbered. Jesus has our name inscribed. It's tattooed. So, as anti tattoo people, Jesus tattooed your name on the palm of his hand, it says, written on the palm of his hand. We see events leading all the way up there. I want this church, I want this church, and we are to have passion by the way, to become obsessive over God once again. Nothing worse than indifference, right? Somebody who really doesn't want to be around you, do not want to talk to you, they don't want to invest in you, you don't want to be around those people. I don't want to be around them. I'm not going to waste my time on people that don't want anything to do with me. Sorry, it sounds selfish, but I'm not wasting my time. God's not wasting His time on people who don't want to be invested in Him. Didn't get an amen there, did I? You know, there's that weird verse that we don't like to address. Don't cast your pearls before swine. You've heard that? Not that we're swine. We're not pigs. Don't, don't get that wrong. The point is, is the value of something. The man found a treasure. And what did he do? He sold all that he had to have that treasure. Jesus said this, if you want to find Me, you want to seek Me with all of your heart. We have identified and come in contact with with a portion of religion and Western faith that allows us to do other things and have a little snippet of God on Sundays, and that gives us just enough. I want you to know that if you want to find God, you're going to have to seek God with all your heart. You're going to have to leave that to go to Him. You're going to have to leave other things, and you're going to have to get really obsessive about Christ. Let me tell you what that obsession looked like with the disciples. The disciples saw Jesus, James and John, and they were doing all that stuff, fishing with their dad, and what did James and John do? They just dropped their nets, they went after Jesus, and they didn't look back. I want a church that has passion to become obsessive over God once again, that we would expel out of our hearts indifference, that we would again pursue Him, Jesus said, if you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. One of the things that we have have to identify though and realize is that God does love me. Turn to someone who and say, God loves you. It's that orphan spirit. So what's the orphan spirit? Many of us still feel like orphans, don't we sometimes? We don't feel like God loves us or God accepts us. This one writer writes this, Survivors learn to manipulate their environment and other people in order to get some of their needs met. They don't expect to be loved because after years of abandonment and neglect and abuse, they believe they are unworthy of love. They don't expect relationships to last. Why should they? They are not anyone's beloved. It's never been safe for them to trust or to be vulnerable, and they certainly don't have emotional resources to try to meet anyone else's needs, so they take what they can get. And what do you know? Survivors end up creating a reality where they are not loved. I want you to know if you have an orphan spirit today, are you living in a reality today that you've created that says that you are not loved? Young person, old person alike. maybe you lived your whole life thinking that God... No way can God accept me for what I've done. Maybe you think that God has abandoned you. I think one of the beautiful pictures of Christ's love is the parable of the, of the son, the prodigal son and the dad, just his expression towards him and that he ran towards him. I want you to picture a God who runs towards you and sees you and accepts you and loves you and will change everything about your life. But the orphan spirit is this, this shame that God can accept me, and we continually wear this around our hearts, this cloak around our hearts. One of the most beautiful scriptures I love is that we can approach the throne room of grace with complete boldness. is it interesting that God calls it the throne room of grace? I want to give you some beautiful psalms. Turn real quick. We're going to focus on psalm today. And I love this Bible book. It's a... Jesus, or not Jesus God describes David as a man after God's own heart. David was one of the biggest emotional wrecks there ever was, wasn't it? You look at David all over the map. Completely imbalanced, right? The ark shows up into town and he dances before the Lord. He strips off all his clothes and he is dancing before the presence of God. He's crazy. He's excited. He's going after those things. People in church, we can't get excited, but we can get really excited about the Bears beating the Packers, can't we? Oh, man, we paint our faces, our shirts off. We look at that guy and we're next to him and we're high-fiving. We don't think anything of that guy. But don't you dare come to church and be excited and emotional. This is God's house. And we're to be reverent here. Folks, can you imagine getting your hands out of your pockets and actually celebrating because of what God's done? David dances and worships before God. David had prayers like this in Psalm 51. Lord, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. I've lost it! Some of us with that orphan spirit don't even realize that we've lost it. Some of us think that because we've read our Bible and we've tied this week, that we've got it. Psalm 34, by the way, gives orphan spirits a beautiful, beautiful promise. Let's turn there really quick, if you will. And maybe today you plaster these on your hand so you don't forget this week. Psalm 34, verse 5. This is for those of you who feel ashamed before God today. Those who look to Him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. Isn't that a beautiful promise? Today, if you have that kind of orphan mindset where you don't believe God hasn't adopted you, I I love it that God has adopted us. God has brought us in. God has... Brought us into his family. He no longer calls us slaves, but brothers and sisters. He brings us into the family, if you will. Verse 6 And my desperation, I prayed, and the Lord listened. Psalm 34 18. Let's jump there. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Maybe your spirit's been crushed. The Bible declares that God is close to you. Has your spirit been crushed? Maybe it was crushed this year. Maybe it was last week. Maybe it was crushed on your way to church today. Maybe it's been crushed slowly over time. And because you've been clouded by all your circumstances, you don't have that passion and that zeal and that love for God that you used to have. Is your heart in need of healing I proclaim that over to you. Clyde Kilby writes this, and maybe because of your orphan spirit, and I really believe this is for someone here today, he says, I shall not demean my own uniqueness by envy of others. I shall stop boring into myself to discover what psychological or social categories I might belong to. I shall not demean my own uniqueness by envy of others, I shall stop boring into myself to discover what psychological or social categories I might belong to. Do you get that? How many of us, we become too introspective, right? We become too introspective. We, we start diving into ourselves and we start to envy other people and way they're at. We start to look at them and say, well, they're better than me. And see, the orphan spirit says, that person is in that place because they're better than me or they did that right and I did it wrong. I want to tell you, it is only by grace we have been saved. We are placed where we are at because God made us uniquely. We were fearfully and we were wonderfully made. You're 6'4 and you have red hair because God made you that way. Are you demeaning yourself? Do You know what I'm talking about? That self-talk. We talk about we demean ourselves because of our circumstances. Orphan spirit, maybe today are you demeaning of yourself. And you elevate other people? Why? Why are you elevating people? We elevate people in our circumstances. And we make people idols and they're not. And we make circumstances special and they're not. You're not an orphan. Stop boring into yourself. Do you know I'm watching this curse of Oak Island on the History Channel. And that's all they do all day. My kids are done watching it with me. It's really sad. But my kids used to watch it with me, but they've lost their first love on this. It's gotten boring because all they do is bore into the ground. But they bore holes into the ground looking for this treasure. It's here. 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 And the next week, well, maybe next week, they find the Ark of the Covenant next week and they bore another hole. And it's not there. See, but what's really interesting with those treasure hunters, and as they bore into those things, maybe today are you continually boring into yourself. Folks don't think about yourself all the time. How many of us have thought too much about ourselves? Right? You to show a hands, you think too much about yourself this last week. You think too much about your circumstances. You think too much, and you think everything about you is unique in that like it's horrible. No, it's not. Psalm 103, let's turn there for another beautiful promise. I love this one. Remember the other week we talked about that beautiful promise that Jesus says about us being His little lambs? Remember that one? Psalm 103 is another beautiful one. Psalm 103, 12-14. through With those of us dealing with an orphan spirit, I want us to know this today. Psalm 103, 12-14, through He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to His children, tender and compassionate to those who fear Him. For He knows how weak we are. He remembers that we are only dust. Our days on earth are like grass, like wildflowers we bloom and then we die. The wind blows and we are gone as though we had never been here. But, everyone say but. The love of the Lord remains forever. Folks, I want you to key in on that for he knows how weak we are. How many people feel weak today? He knows how weak you are. You know, I love this beautiful promise in Scripture when he says, He makes the weak strong. That song you say, let the weak say, I am. Let the poor say, I am. He remembers we're only dust. Folks, I want to tell you today, as you bore into yourself, God realizes how weak that you are. And what that should infuse in you an energy to realize that you can trust God because His love for you is. Stands forever and ever and ever and ever. God will never stop loving you. Max Lucado writes, we live in a guilt-laden world, but there is a population of people who discovered the grace of God. They don't drink their guilt away or work it away or chase it away. They give it away. God wants you to be among them. Today, for a few minutes, I want to challenge you this week. Have you ever heard of the term minister to the Lord? You know that you minister to the Lord? That you can? We always expect God to minister to us. God, what, what's at church for me? What's at, what's at church for me? What, what God are you wanting for me in my life? And that's great. We come to the church, we're filled, and God does wonderful things, and we encourage each other. But do you know that God appoints us as priests and ministers to minister to him? You know, the priests would minister before God and they would have these duties, if you will, and they would make sure that the candle would stay lit and all these special things that they would do in the very presence of God. And once a year, they would go to that very, very, very special place. And don't you remember at the cross when Jesus died that that was rent from the top to the bottom so that we could go into that holy place all the time to minister to Him! Celebrate His goodness that He's given to you. Be overcome by His love. Be washed in His love. You said, nobody loves me. God loves you. God loves you. Everyone else. I pray everyone else in your life fails you miserably so that you will only trust in God. I love Watchman Nee when he said that. He said, I pray every person fails you so that you will only trust in God. Be overcome by His love. Be overcome by His goodness, His mercy. Do you know, I love the names of God. You know what that does to me? It's not like God is more love than He is justice. Thank God that we serve a God of justice, right? Thank God that we serve a God of truth. That He's not like more love than truth. We we oversaturate things. I love how complete God is because He is love. He is truth. He is mercy. He is compassion. He is justice. And so today when you come into the presence of God, whatever you need to be saturated and washed in, maybe today you need a double, double dose of compassion, then go get it. Yes. That's awesome. See, they wanted us to say it again. You can never... That's a good one, Joe. I need to be reminded. We might as well say it again. He has removed our sins. As far as the east is from the west, the Lord is like a father to His children, tender and compassionate to those who fear Him. For He knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. Be overcome by His love, His goodness, His mercy, His compassion, His holiness. By the way, it's time for us to focus our hearts again, isn't it? You know, I was telling my wife the other day, it's so hard because we, we listen to different voices and, and I'm all for it. Get, get your information here and do this there. But sometimes, isn't it important for us just to get the voice of God in our life? You know, Jack Hayford said this about evangelical pastors across the globe. And this literally was like 20 years ago. He said, I'm really concerned because the American pastors, I feel like, are getting their information more from Rush Limbaugh than they are the Word of God. Every last one of us, Christians and non-Christians alike, comes into worship having spent a week Consistently placing ourselves at the center of our lives. This self centeredness is the disposition of what Paul variously called the old self, the sinful nature, or the flesh. It must first do the work of displacing me. So, you want to have your heart filled with love? Do you want to have your mind filled with the presence of God? You are going to have to start displacing yourself. I'm going to have to start displacing myself, getting myself off the stage and allowing God to come back into the stage again. Remove yourself from center stage. I know it's hard in this society nowadays because everybody loves the center stage. By the way, you know what's beautiful about the gospel? You know what it needs to be set up against? And this is why the gospel is offensive. And as the world becomes more and more non offensive or trying not to offend people, the gospel really becomes really offensive because the gospel is set, and people forget this, the gospel, the cross, is foolishness to the world is set up against the backdrop of Steve's sin and Steve's need. So when you see the cross and the background of it is my whole life and my need for Christ and my absolute failure. The gospel is good news, but it's a wrecking ball to people's lives. Don't you ever forget it. The gospel never was meant to make self-improvement for you. The gospel was meant to completely and utterly destroy the old man in your life. Sky Jathani writes, Ignatius Loyola examined his day with consolation, he called it, this is times of moving towards God. The opposite is desolation, moving away from God. Have you maybe thought that mentally in the thoughts that you think all day, do you think some of your thoughts drive you towards God or drive you away from God? You, you be the judge. And I don't know about you, but so many times my, my mind gets inundated with thoughts of desolation and hopelessness. And guess what those thoughts start to do? They start to drive me away from God consolation i console myself in the word of god now i'm getting driven to the wonderful nature of who god is too many times we drive ourselves mentally into desolation and i call these days anybody ever have these normal days anybody have a normal day this week right I had a normal day. I had a lot of normal days. I had a normal day shoveling snow. I had a normal day going to work. I had a normal day cleaning out the stuff and just doing normal stuff. No fireworks. Where's the fireworks like Moses had? Oh, Moses had a lot of normal days. You don't want to be Moses. That means you'll get stuck on the back of a mountain for 40 years. Ah, Give me Moses' life. That's so awesome. No, it's not. Normal days. Jeannie Gunyan writes this, Do not expect that the will of God will come to you in extraordinary ways. The most remarkable events occur naturally and without fanfare. It was by order of the Roman emperor that Joseph went to Bethlehem to be taxed. And Jesus was born there. When Hagar's child was dying of thirst, she laid him down to die, and God showed her a well nearby. See God in your present circumstance. So you know where we lose the love of God and the understanding of who He is, and realize that God loves me, is that you're going through this chaos of the normal day and just stupid circumstances of your life that are just not the dots aren't connecting. You don't do any of that thing. I don't know how people play Sudoku or any of that stuff. It just doesn't make sense. And here, God puts all of those different things together for us wonderfully and in beautiful ways. I was putting equipment back into the garage and my thoughts were quickly thinking about that of of here I am, I'm like 44 years old and I remember back to my teenage years how God was faithful to me. How did I get here today, God? How did I get where I'm at? Because of God's faithfulness. It absolutely wasn't because I did some great thing. Joseph's got to pay taxes. Boy, angels didn't carry Mary... To Bethlehem. Joseph, we've got this. Let's take her. And there's this chariot that came down and fire protected them. Go pay taxes, Joseph! I don't even know if I've got enough this year, Mary. How are we going to pay the taxes? Being self-employed takes a whole nother thing when you pay taxes. How are we going to pay the tax? I mean, I hope I put enough aside. Anybody have those kind of thoughts? Normal days? How are the kids going to overcome this? What what am I going to do here? What's going to happen here in my life? All these things surround us. And God is in the middle of the normal days. Remember that the present moment is where God will meet you. I love the verse of Scripture that says, God is an ever-present help in time of what? By the way, it's not when the conditions are right. I was shoveling at the church, and as I was at the church, I was thinking all the way back to where we would spend late, late nights here taking lath and plaster out. And I thought about all that. I was in the cafe. I remember the first day I was here. I was so excited pulling that lath and plaster out here. We were here past midnight. It was awesome time you'd have your hard hat on. I remember the kids when they were little, they would come in here and see I'm like, "Isn't this great?" And there was literally just sticks on the wall. This is fantastic. It looked worse than it ever had. I'm like, no, can you see this? I mean, I was excited to bring people through and see. Is that same kind of excitement and tenacity there? Meet God here now. I was complaining about the weather. It's so cold, all the snow. I'm done with the snow. Anybody done with the snow? And the Lord says to me, it was funny how He talks to me. You know how God talks to you with your personality? He does that. God's a personal God. So He'll speak to you where you're at. So He's like, hey Steve, would it be alright with you if I gave you four more weeks of snow? Would that be okay? And I realized what He was saying. Like He's God and I'm not, basically. Like would you be fine with that or will that ruin your day? See, some of us look at our present circumstances and we say, well that's ruined my day. We go to bed knowing that the day is already ruined. Tomorrow's going to be ruined. I know there's going to be more of this. Yeah, you might have to pay taxes. You might have to get a pregnant woman on a donkey. And you might have to go down to Bethlehem and you don't want to be there. And do you think Mary wanted to do this? Mary wasn't null and void of pain and suffering because she was carrying Jesus. In fact, probably Mary had a whole lot more pain and suffering because she had Jesus. Normal days. Turn to around. and say, Normal days. Well, what are you doing with your normal day? I was yesterday, I sat there, and this is how your normal day should work, and this is how you've got to see God in your normal day. I was sitting there, I'm like, man, I can't go for walks again. It's like 800 below zero. We got 80 feet of snow, and nobody does their sidewalks, God. I can't go for a walk today. So I can't get my exercise in. Well, all of a sudden I realize as I'm getting ready to go out in the snow, that guess how my exercise is going to come? I looked at my Apple Watch at the end of the day and I go, I got my exercise. Thank you, God. I got my heart moving and I got sweating and I got moving. We sit around too much wondering what God's going to do. Well, He's sitting too, waiting for you to do something. What is God going to move? Remember that the present moment is where we meet God. Not when conditions are right. Your conditions will never completely line up. Never, 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 never. When are the conditions right for you, by the way, to forgive someone? When they come to you with their head down saying, I was wrong. I was wrong. I was so wrong. One of the conditions right for us to give God our hearts right now. Turn to someone who and say, right now. Kilby goes on to write, I shall sometimes look back at the freshness of vision I had in childhood and try at least for a little while to be, in the words of Lewis Carroll, the child of the pure, unclouded brow and dreaming eyes of wonder. He said, I shall sometimes look back at the freshness of vision I had in childhood and try at least for a little while to be, in the words of Lewis Carroll, the child of pure, unclouded brow and dreaming eyes of wonder of wonder. Today, maybe you peel your adult big boy eyes off. And your knowing eyes. I know everything now. I've got it all figured out. And you peel them back and maybe you get the eyes of wonder back like a child. Do Do you know that God's kingdom is like little children? Remember when all the little children ran up to Jesus and all the disciples were saying, they're interrupting the service, Jesus. Let them come up here because this is what the kingdom is all about. Maybe if we get that picture back again, maybe we'll be like little kids in the church again and we'll run around for excitement for what God is doing. You have a secret flame, by the way. Jeannie Gunyon goes on to write, as the outer man is reduced, the inner man grows stronger. Although God's work in you may not be as apparent as before, it is no less real. How many of you know there are times and seasons in your life where you just don't feel like the flame is there? And you almost feel guilty because it's not. And I think this, that love is not a feeling, it's an act of your will. And there is something in your life where, yeah, the feelings might come and go, so to speak, the feelings, but knowing that you are in God is a very beautiful thing. God's work in you, the outward man is falling off, but the inward man is going from glory to glory. There is a secret flame that burns continually and quietly in your spirit, this intense and constant flame weakens your natural strength as it cripples your ability to do anything outside the will of God. See that little flame that God starts flickering in you and you wanted to go off and do all these other things? It starts to squelch those things. Have you noticed the closer you get to God, the things that you used to do just don't make any sense anymore? Why on earth was I doing that? Why on earth did I talk that way? Why on earth was I doing those things? That flame is what causes the conviction of God for you to live after, to be holy because I am holy. Luke 24, 32. Why don't you turn there real quick? I want to talk to you about a little flame here that the disciples had. Luke 24, verse 32. The walk to Emmaus. Some of his disciples were down. Maybe some of you are down. Jesus had just been crucified. So it's kind of a big event, right? No more Jesus. What are we going to do? And they spoke to each other after Jesus took them through writings of Moses, it says in 27, all the way through the prophets, explaining all the way through the scriptures and the things concerning himself. In verse 31 it says, Suddenly their eyes were open, and they recognized him and at that moment he disappeared. Love that. And they said to each other, Didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road explaining the scriptures to us? You want to have your heart burn again, I'm going to give you a little hint. You can go through all your tips and continually go through all your stuff, but until that word of God starts to be hidden in your heart, It's not going to burn like you want it to burn. And I think it's so important as we're pretty much Bible illiterate in our Western society that we don't use the word of God as he would want us to. And that as you have that word that's hidden in your heart, God will burn embers in you like you've never had before. There is that secret flame, by the way. And then it burns into obedience, by the way. You say, man, loving God. You know, doing all these things and then we get into legalism and say, well, do we have to do this and do we have to do that? Psalm 32.8 says this, do not be like the senseless horse or mule that needs to be bit and bridled to keep it under control. J.D. Greer writes, the church needs a new kind of obedience fueled by desire. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. It's kind of funny, we've created a church now that says, I can love God and do whatever I want. Charles Spurgeon says, In the realm of obedience, to love is to live. If we love Christ, we will live for Christ. Love for the person of our Lord is the very salt of our sacrifices. To put it in practical terms, I often say to myself, Today, have I performed all the duties of my office, but have I been careful to remain in my Lord's love? See, dear friends, how inward true religion really is, how far it exceeds the external formalism, how deep is the seed of true grace. You cannot hope to do what Christ can smile on until your heart is renewed. A heart at enmity with God cannot be made acceptable by mere acts of piety. The main thing is not what your hands are doing or even what your lips are saying. It's what you mean and intend in your heart. Which way are your affections tending? The great flywheel that moves the whole machinery of life is fixed in the heart. Therefore, this is the most important of all conditions and jesus said it like this if you love me remember he asked peter those words peter do you love me if you love me you'd obey my commands i have a really hard time with christians living like they live and telling me that they love god and they're living like the devil out there i have a real hard time with that i really do And we've gotten really sloppy. Well, I prayed the prayer 30 years ago, and I say, So what? Do you love me? Can you imagine if we set our marriage up that way? Well, I love you, honey. And then you go off and do whatever you want. But I love you. No, there were commands, and there's a covenant that God invites us to and takes us on. And if we truly loved God, it wouldn't just be church and it wouldn't just be piety, but we would truly want to serve Him. By the way, it's the kind of love that caused Peter to hang on a cross upside down. It's the kind of love that caused Moses to reject what the Egyptians had given him to say, listen, I want to be with my people. That's the kind of love. It's the kind of love that says to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you all can bow, but I'm not bowing. And it's going to be the kind of love that the Christians in 2021 say, no, this is how a believer in 2021 should live. It's so important for us to get this right. If you love Me, you would obey My commands. And you can be the believer who goes through Scripture and cut out sections of it that you don't like. But always remember that it is the Word of God and it's alive and it's active. Matthew Elliott writes, What's the difference between love and duty? Why is love a higher goal? One answer, because duty never motivated anybody to do anything great. What's the difference between love and duty for you? Maybe some of you are doing Christian walk out of duty and you forgot that love is so greater. You say, God, my heart is cold. Light it on fire once again. Encounters with God, by the way, will cause you to step out and do some pretty amazing things for God. Encounters with God will cause you to step out of your little comfortable zone and actually see your neighbors and talk to them and be with them. Do you know what's weird about the church is you need people. You need people. I think it was Linda that came up to me and said, hey, I just need a hug today. That was fantastic. She was so excited to get in here and it completely turned me upside down today during worship as I thought about that. She goes, I just need a hug. See, we need people. Amen. Right. We can do without our phones. Amen. We can do without TV. But you know what you can't do without? People. Amen. When God clearly reveals Himself, His beauty and His goodness, He then becomes the object of our desire rather than a means of achieving some lesser goal. By the way, God made your hearts. Psalm 33, 15 says this, God made our hearts so he understands everything they do. We discover that we are his beloved children, that his joy is not found in using or controlling us as instrument of his will, but rather objects of his love. You know, it's interesting that Rod made that statement back all the way at the beginning of Genesis from the Garden of Eden. God made that beautiful garden to have relationship with Adam and Eve and to talk with them at the cool of the day. Every day, God would come speak to them. Isn't that amazing? God restored that through His Son, Jesus, that we can talk to God, that we can speak to Him. Did you know that you're the object of His love? For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. Isn't that amazing? He quiets us with his love. And he will exalt over us with loud singing. I remember when Ann was getting ready to have, I forgot which kid she was having, but I was laying next to Ashley. No, it would be Hunter. She was going to have Hunter. And I was laying next to Ashley putting her down and I would give the phone to Ashley and she listened to Mom sing to her over the phone and that was able to do it. Just sing that song. Isn't that a cool thing? That God sings over us with loud singing. Now Ann didn't do it loud. She didn't go, This little light of mine. (laughs) Now go to bed, Ash. It was a little quieter. But God does it loud. And I think He reminds us that He's excited about us. He's excited about what you can do. He's excited about what you're going to become. He's excited because in your present circumstance, He says, I'm there to help you. He's excited about what's going on and how things are moving. And I want us to be excited and filled with the love of God. It's a beautiful thing. Psalm 33:18 18 and 19 says, But the Lord watches over them who fear Him, who rely on His unfailing love. We're going to do something now. I want us to take communion this morning. And I want to have the men come forward here and start getting the elements put together there for that. There's something that I want us to understand about communion here. I'm going to grab one really quick as they're getting this ready. I was reading this week in Exodus chapter 24 about this thing called the covenant meal. And Moses and 74 other men enjoyed the presence of God on the mountain and they enjoyed a meal together. One of the meals that we think about, you guys can go ahead and start passing those out. One of the meals that he uh, is talking about is the Passover meal. Remember in the Passover meal, and then they put the blood over the doorposts This is a meal that we enjoy with God. The presence of His company. Now I want you to know what a covenant meal is really neat. Do you know one of the most beautiful gifts that we have in the church is that we can share a meal together. One of the most powerful things that you can do in your life with God is share this meal, if you will, with God. The juice and the bread, which represents the blood and body of Jesus Christ, that we covenant with God. and you know what Jesus did? We talked about peace when He blew that so far. What this does this morning is we are at peace with God. He made peace with us. We didn't make peace with God. God made peace with us. And I am dripping stuff everywhere. Oh no, I did it backwards. I opened the cracker first. Let's see if I got it. These are tricky. I might need to get a new one. Let me get a new one here, sir. Thank you. Well, doing this on camera here. Holy moly. Oh, there we are. We have a class. It's uh, opening your communion cup 101. It's uh, every Sunday. All right, there we are. Wow. So we have covenant meal this morning. And I want us to think about the amazing love of God today, that they enjoyed his fellowship. I want you to think of this meal right now in the terms of fellowship. I think for too long we've thought when we take this that God will strike us down with lightning and kill us if something's wrong in our life. I want you to know today that, yes, this is a time of repentance and reflection, but it is also a time of enjoying the fellowship and the company of God. You think of it like this. If you went to a really awesome meal, isn't it fun when you go with the family and friends that you're with and you have a really good steak or if you have a lobster, think of that meal that you love to have and you enjoy the company of those people. When Jesus died on the cross, he allowed us to have covenant meal with him, like that Passover meal where we reflect on the bitter herbs, which is our sin and where we went to, all the way to the beauty of what God did for us on the cross. And that lamb that was sacrificed for the sins of the whole world. I want to play this song. And as Hunter cues that up, I'm going to play it a couple times. And then I want us to enjoy communing together with this covenant meal. Or if you just want to play that in the background, but just have the volume down a little bit. Um, I wanted us to take this together, this covenantal meal, and think about the power of God in your life and how much he loves you, how much he cares for you, and the price he paid for your life. I want us to partake of the body and the blood of Jesus together. Shall we partake together? Father, we thank you for today. And we just thank you so much for your presence in our life and what you've done. And God, how we were sealed. We are sealed by the blood of Jesus Christ. We love you, God, and we thank you that we love you because you first loved us. And it's not because of anything we've done today. It's not in our own goodness, but it's in your grace, God. And we place our faith in you. We thank you, God, that when we call upon you, we are saved. And Father, I pray for anyone out there today, and maybe with every head bowed and every eye closed, today, first and foremost, you would say, I don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. The Lord declares in His Word, call in the name upon the Lord, and you will be saved. I want us to pray this prayer together. Everyone in this place, Dear Jesus, Thank you for your presence. And thank you for forgiving me and giving me new life. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins, my setback. Thank you, God, for taking it all for my sake. God, I give you my life. I give you everything. And I will serve you With all of my heart. In Jesus' name. Amen. With every head bowed, maybe there's something this morning, today, that speaks to you about this orphan spirit. And maybe today you've had shame in your life and in your heart. And you haven't been able to shake it off. And I want you to know that God is as close, and He's close to the brokenhearted. And maybe your spirit is broken today. And you've been enveloped with the pain of the past, whatever it is. And God wants to give you a new lease and saying, you are not an orphan. And today, dear loved one, maybe you get that, maybe you got it minutes ago. But today, if that's been something that you've been bearing around, maybe you've got a weight of that and you've been carrying around like chains and weights. Today, if that's you, would you lift your hand? I want to pray with you today. If anyone in here has that, Thank you, thank you, thank you. Why don't we pray together? Dear Jesus, thank you for breaking these chains of bondage in my life. God, thank you that you are close to me and my brokenness. God, thank you for healing me that I'm not an orphan. But I am a son and daughter. Thank you for bringing me into your family, God. That all the benefits that you gave to me to enjoy. Thank you, God, that you sing over me and that you reassure me with your love. Thank you, God. I will run to you and I'm shaking off every sin and every weight that has been entangling me. I am not an orphan. I am yours. And my name is written on the palm of your hand. In Jesus' name, amen. Folks, I love you so much. It's been an awesome day. Tom, we're going to get oxygen to you. That was an awesome shofar blow you did. Thank you for coming here and doing that. Folks, have a wonderful, wonderful week. We do have coffee back there for you to enjoy. And have a wonderful week and stay warm today. Happy Valentine's Day. We love you so much.